Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Ag My Optics, a podcast where two and sometimes three adults discuss, overanalyze and generally take a kid's toy and media franchise a little too seriously, usually that of Transformers. I am your spooky... Oh, what have I, what have I, what have I said here? Um, oh yeah, I was meant to, meant to write something there. <laughs> oh well. I am your co-host, Orion Gear, and with me is my young co-host, Virtual Dave. Say hello to our listeners, Virtual Dave. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Spooky. (laughs) In addition to myself and Dave, we have back in our virtual studio, our good friend, Michael Quintazon. Welcome back, Michael. Hello. Nice to be back on ARG. Um, that's why I call it. That's why I call it. Yeah, well, that's 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 what all the kids are calling it. Uh, in to, to talk about the rather niche subject of the Marvel UK Transformers comic, listening figures be damned. Talking of the damned, our particular focus is the horrifying zombie antics of issue one six four through to one six nine, containing the linked stories of City of Fear. Legion of the Lost, and Meltdown. This was published by Marvel Comics UK between the 7th of May and 11th of June 1988, written by Simon Furman, with internal art by Dan Reed, Jeff Anderson, Robert Smith, inks by Dave Elliott, colours by Ewan Peters, letters by Annie Halfacre, Tom Frame, Gary Gilbert, and George Robertson, um, as well as a cover art by Dan Reed, Jerry Paris and Jeff Anderson. I do hope I've not missed anyone out. I'm sure there's plenty of terribly important UK comic people involved. So uh, let me set the scene by reading you the transformation page, which is basically the first page of the comic, which is basically a previously on the Transformers blurb page. Ahem. It would be advisable not to read this issue's Transformers story alone, or in a darkened room. That might not be just the window creaking in the wind, and that sudden bump from behind might not be your parents turning in for the night. Brace yourself for the most spine-tingling Transformers story we've ever dared to present. As our scene switches to Cybertron, we look in on the city-state of Kalis, a city in the grip of fear. What is the something prowling in the darkened, shadowy streets? Why are Callus's inhabitants, those that are still alive anyway, scared to venture out from behind locked doors? There's something not quite alive abroad in Callis. Or Callis? Is it Callis or Callis? I, I don't think there's any way of knowing, but I always <laughs> thought it was Callis. <laughs> <laughs> there's something not quite alive abroad in Callis, something that preys upon the living. Into this atmosphere of dread walks Ultra Magnus and the Sparkler Minibots, Sizzle, Fizzle and Guzzle. Back on Cybertron to report on the movements of the future Decepticon Galvatron, Magnus and the Sparklers find there's more in store to them than they bargained for. A shocker. Ooh. Scary, right? Yeah. It's, it's spooky, isn't it? It's a spooky setup. <laughs> it certainly is. So... Michael Quintason, you suggested we pick this particular storyline as our first dive into Marvel UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, why was that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a fair question, I think, because it's not one of the classics. It's not your sort of Target 2006 or Legacy of Unicron, which are, I think, the ones that, you know, get mentioned a lot and 
you know, probably got published in later on in like bound volumes and stuff. But I, I think basically it was just one. I mean, obviously, I, I read this stuff first time around, and it was just one I really liked at the time. And, and sort of thinking about why that was, though, <clears throat> um, I like the fact it's like a Cybertron story. Um, there were there were quite a lot of those, but I think this one did that really well, and it's sort of a bit about Cybertron as well. I think it's a really fun mix of characters. It's quite a weird mix. Like you've got people like Flywheels turning up. I don't think he's ever in it at any other point. Yeah, Tripticon is involved. The whole thing with the Sparkler minibots, and I think this is, if you'd read the ones around it, there's about three or four sort of extended stories where they're sort of just going and doing stuff, mainly with Ultra Magnus. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's a very, very, they're a very obscure little set of characters that I doubt many people remember unless they were, unless they were sort of there at the time. Yeah, and it's an odd, odd in a way, because they, in the comics, both US and UK, they tend to just shove as many characters in as possible. Yeah, because new toys have come out, so it's quite interesting that there's quite it's quite a small cast in a way. Yeah, I also like the fact it's got some notable non sort of nautical non toy characters. I wouldn't be surprised if they all have toys now. I mean, but yeah, they're starting to. Yeah, but but like <laughs> at the time, I'd always thought I'd like that that they made characters for the comic that that they weren't toys of that they just wanted to write as characters, and these were you know this is this has got really prominent use of that. Yeah, I think it's fun that it's a horror story, mm-hmm. which again they they really mm. sort of push in that segment you just read out, and mm-hmm. also kind of like I think and I think this was maybe the thing that I found it appealing when I read it as a kid was there's sort of hints at this sort of wider world and wider mythology um, that sort of come through this story and you know stuff about like what Megatron was up to you know pre the story we know. There's a little bit about yeah. even how that happened. There's the strange stuff about Cybertron's like planetary engines, which I thought was an odd, an interesting idea. Mm. Which mm. I also found out like that got sort of then got recycled a bit in various other ways. Yeah, they have gone back to some of the aspects of this story a few times here and there. Mm. One of the main, one of the characters we're going to talk about, Flame, he does appear in the IDW comics right, much later yeah. on as well, so he has been revisited. So yeah, I mean, I think Michael, you said that you looked into what the status quo was before the story. Yeah, um, I was actually I was a little unclear reading it, and I and thinking about it, I don't know if I ever really understood it, but I, I, did, <laughs> I did some research about what what's going on, like who's doing what, and like sort of what's led up to this. And I guess this story is a bit incidental as well. It's not really, even though there's sort of quite big implications in the story of like maybe Cybertron getting blown up. It doesn't really link up to many other things like that much. And that does happen every day anyway. <laughs> but what's happening is that Ultra Magnus is... Sort of Ultra Magnus is kind of locked in some kind of thing where he's fighting Galvatron, like, over a series of events. Galvatron is from the future, and I think... Uh, Galvatron is also not in this story, but this is sort of what they're up to. Like, he mo- most recently got trapped in a volcano in a story called... Can you remember what it's called? You know the one I mean. Uh, I know. I know the one. Isn't, isn't it Goldbug in it? It's quite a good one, actually. Yeah, I think Goldbug's in it. Yeah. Yeah, it was in it. It was in an annual, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, it probably was. I think I had the comic of it. I mean, like one of them or something. But the, the um. Yeah, I, I know this. I'll know the story. I'll look it up later. But yeah, it's quite. It's quite a. It's, it's a reasonably big one, actually. I think. Yeah, they have like a massive fight. Yeah. Over, in there's a spaceship kind of lodged in a volcano or something, and they. Uh, 
there's some kind of facility. They're like making something out of the lava or something, and then like, That's um, it, yeah. and then they Magnus does some kind of heroic thing, that means that him and Galvatron have both got trapped. I have a sore throat, so you'll have to just bear with me. It's actually a power siphon. Built by Galvatron atop the dormant volcano Mort Verona, as one of his many plans to defeat and thus free himself from the control of Unicron, the plan essentially involves Galvatron absorbing the Earth's energy and becoming a god, destroying the Earth in the process. Not that Galvatron gives a shit about that. This storyline appears in issues 115 to 118, as well as in the 1987 UK Transformers annual. Like some way down the line, the sparkling minibots have been dispatched, I assume by Emirate Zaron, yeah. to keep an eye on the Galvatron situation, which they're sort of concerned about. Yeah, because Ottawa's Prime is... Is he dead at the moment? Uh, I think Prime is probably dead. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. I, would, I think at this point he's still dead from the video game incident and he's not yet become Power Master Prime. <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure you're right, yeah. But anyway, like, he's not really... Yeah, he's sort of not like, relevant to this. I think that the main Autobot leaders are like Zaron, I guess Rodimus in the future, which sort of links to this... I'm not sure yeah. who's sort of in charge of the Earth law. It might even be... I don't think it's Grimlock. Unless, I think Scorponok is in quite prominent at the, this time. Yeah. I'm not I'm not actually sure about that. So the, the sparklers... The sparkler minibots who are... If you if you had the toys, they were little cars you push along and the sparks come out the back. Yes. They were quite fun. Um, quite fun little, little bots. Um, so they dug Ultramagnus out of the volcano to try and help try and help with the Galvatron situation. And then they I think they've bumped into Galvatron, had a bit of a fight, which didn't really go anywhere. And now they're like going back to Cybertron to try and report back to Zaron and they're gonna bring, I assume, Ultra Magnus with them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're they're using some little sort of portal, space portal generator thing to do this. Um but I know that that I think that, that brings us up to where we are. Absolutely. Uh, we all read it, didn't we? Yes, Dave? Yeah I've read You're it. Bl- bloody be- bloody better Rav. I've got the, the the volumes here. Uh, I've read it. Yeah, you've got like the reprints, oh, wow. the IDW reprints. I've got the IDW reprints. Yeah, mm. but didn't know that was a thing. It was it was titled City of Fear, but it, it included all three stories, didn't it? It did, and I've even got another one here that goes into when Galvatron comes back and he comes out of the water. Oh yeah, and then he fights the Seacorn. They called the Seacorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they they did collect it eventually. Well, it, obviously, like you say, it wasn't like one of the big stories, but. It, no. Obviously deemed good enough to be collected. Um, obviously, it's written by Simon Furman. Pretty much all the UK comic was. I think it's actually all of it. I think I, I, I think I kind of assumed that he'd done like the bulk of it, but he, but no, I think I think he wrote all of the UK stories um, and then kind of all the American stories as well after a point. Yeah, he took over um, when Bud Badansky quit. Not he retired from Transformers. Yeah, I think the thing I read said that he he kind of just he just ran out of steam and he was like, I can't, I don't have any more ideas for this. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So they just got Thurman to write both. Yeah, are we in that phase? Yeah, I, th- I think he is writing both at this point, isn't he? And I think so. I'd have to check check that, but I think I think he is, or he is soon to be doing so. Not quite yet. Simon Thurman would take the reins of the U.S. comic a year later in May 1989, and continued to oversee both US and UK versions of the comic until it ended in May 1991. And then obviously there was the G2 comic for a, for a very short period. 
And then it was all over until much later when Furman came back and did Regeneration 1. And he's now doing a book called Transformers 84, which is like a prequel to the original UK comic. Oh, yeah. And and in fact, that is one of the stories that where Megatron's planetary engines get mentioned. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. And he, he also brought it up again in, in um, well, previously, I think, in there was a, a later comic called um, The War Within, which is really like a prime origin story, but that also mentions this. Yeah, that was a Dreamwave comic. That's right, yeah. Which, when Dreamwave did the Transformers comic, it, it was considered like a new continuity, but they did pull bits from yeah exactly and in fact i think it's i think in future versions because i think in, in this story and i i, I guess we're, we're getting into the story now but like mm. obviously a bunch of the story is about how megatron had built these en- giant engines and cybertron so he could like essentially fly it around in space like conquer other planets sensible yeah fine <laughs> and then it, and then he didn't ever really do it so i don't really know why i think it just didn't work <laughs> or he got stopped um yeah i assume he got stopped by the autobots somehow and there's, there's a rogue Autobot sort of scientist called Flame who's trying to revive this project, and he's but and he, he's he's pretty loopy. He's nuts. But I think in the in the later <laughs> versions of it, it, it was they were kind of always there. Like it was more like this is something maybe it's to do with Primus, and it's that Cybertron always had these engines. But I think in this version, Megatron built them. So like City of Fear is like the first two issues yeah. of this story. That only really features Ultra Magnus, the Sparkler Minibots or Sparkerbots as they were actually called as toys. But yeah, because they had like, this was like a name that they were given early on. And that's what Simon Furman had in front of him. So he called them the Sparkler Minibots, it's even though... absolutely standard, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this always happens. <laughs> it's like, here you go, Simon. Here's what, here's the new toys coming out soon. Don't worry, we'll probably change all their names and you, and, and then you'll be blamed for confusing them. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, Ultra Magnus and them pretty much as the cast of that. I think, oh, and you've got... Um, and Flywheels. Flywheels. Battletrap kind of appears as well, but very... I don't think he says anything. Oh, there you go. You've got your your Flywheels. I brought him out as well. Is that, is that a modern Flywheels? That's a modern Flywheels, yeah. <laughs> that's a bit of a visual moment. But yeah, <laughs> nice to see them. yeah, that's a... Is it Siege? It's Siege, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, the, the Duocons are interesting in this because they don't work like they're yeah. supposed to. So that absolutely stood yeah. out. <laughs> they just they were just triple changes. <laughs> yeah, pretty That's much. That's what I was going to ask you guys. What what what's up with that? Is that was that always a thing when they appeared? That they I didn't... don't think they were in any I mean, of the other stories. They didn't appear that so... often. Yeah, oh. yeah, they might. It might be their only I appearance. Don't remember them being in it at any other time. But yeah, that that was. I think I mean I think that struck me at the time, and it was like yeah, it's a bit weird because. I'm sure that they could have written him as a tank and a plane and made it work in the story, but yep. like, maybe it was one of those issues with not having access to the toy when they when they wrote it and drew it, and then they didn't really know how it worked. It could be. Maybe. It's not impossible it's something like that. This guy's called Flywheels. He turns into a tank and a jet. I guess he's a triple changer. Like a triple changer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it didn't really... I guess it doesn't really bother me that much because I don't think the character worked really, really well. Yeah. He's definitely one of the best characters in it's only in the first bit of this story. He has one of the best lines. Yes. 
<laughs> I'm referring to the the point at which he says "uek uek." Yeah, they, they. I think they. I think the Autobots will shout. I assume there's some zombie Transformers bursting through, and the Autobots will shout something like "by the celestial spires," and he just says "uek." <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess there is. There, I think there always was some light humor in these comics, especially the British sort of uh, version yeah. of it. No, there was. There are a few times where people do say things that are very, yeah, don't seem like the kind of thing that transforming robots from another planet would say. <laughs> so it's it's them, Fizzle, Sizzle, Guzzle, the Duocons, and that's it until we move into the next yeah. bit of the story when you introduce a few more people. Which I, I quite like, quite like the fact that it is like a slow building cast. Yes. And there's Choffer as well, who's the robot that we see in the first, on the first panel. That's true, which is... Oh, okay, it's cool. And again, this is an audio medium, but I don't want to go too into the visuals, <laughs> but it's a great, I mean, I think it's a great image. Like, there's some really great, like, big frames, big panels in this, um, in this story, which is another thing I really liked about it. It's really nice. It's a, uh, Dan Reed is drawing those two issues, and like, it's got a really kind of, almost kind of Jack Kirby-esque kind of art style going on. I read somewhere that he was sort of a bit of an opinion splitter. For, I mean, I th- I, I, really, I think he's, he's probably one of my favourite artists that did this these comics. Like, I think his stuff looks great. Mm. But, like, apparently some people didn't like... It's, it's, he's got a very kind of organic feel, and they're sort of a bit bendy sometimes. Yeah, and he's a little bit inconsistent at times. Yeah, it's got vibes, though, you know. It, mm. It's very expressive. He does seem to struggle with Ultra Magnus's proportions. Yeah. Ultra Magnus seems to have a giant head a lot of the time and a tiny body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the way he draws transformation, it's like they, they, they set on fire and melt. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, <I've, laughs> Into their I think it's something mode. I kind of quite like about these comics in general is sort of how inconsistent the art style is. And it's sort of you just move on to the next issue and it will look quite different. Well, if you think about it, they're, they're, they're jobbing artists and there's like normally they're drawing, I don't know, Machine Man, or uh, or whatever, yeah. or they're t- on 2000 AD, or maybe they're doing a bit of other Marvel work, and they go, "Oh, we just need you to bang out a few issues of Transformers." What you need to know is this guy turns into a tank, and that's about it. Yeah, really. it could be like that. I mean, I guess they they yeah. it's a reasonably. I mean, I get it. I get this is probably quite a lot of artists that that worked on these comics, but it's a reasonably sort of consistent cast of characters, isn't it? In a way, so mm-hmm. I think all all of these. The guys that drew these, like I've recognised their style from like other editions. Yeah, there's some, I, I like I like quite a few of them. Yeah, I mean they're all good, but there's there's some standout bits which we'll get on yes. to a bit later. But but yeah, so so that I did quite like those first couple of issues, and there's some quite good stuff in it because basically they turn up in this township or whatever, Callis, and things aren't quite right. Yeah, it's all all a bit eerie and weird. And the locals are, are spooked. The empties, as they're known. Yeah, there's these tra- sort of transformer down and outs, which is a weird little detail. Yeah, and they're called empties because they're running low on it's fuel. Running low on energon. Mm. Mm. Is that what it is? Yeah, because of the war, they're basically like refugees. Mm. All right. <laughs> the the war has left them um, low on fuel and uh, living in slums, and. Yeah, they're called empties because they're literally running on empty. That makes sense. I thought um, when they did the the Netflix show, they called them sparkless. I thought it was something like they were pulling back to this. That's a different thing. They're more like zombies. 
Okay. But we're getting on. We're getting on to zombies. But well, those, that's why. That's what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but but the empties are just are just regular transformers that are down on their down, their down on their lock. <laughs> I think there's there's something here actually, which um, sort of maybe expanding on like why I sort of like this being a Cybertron story, and it's sort of something about the way they portray Cybertron in the, these comics. Which is it, it really? It does feel like a significantly more of a real place than it does, I think, in any other like version of this, you know, from this time. Yeah. In, in the in the cartoon, it was just this weird sort of like clean sort of globe that like just shockwave sat on in a big chair, and like nothing seemed to happen there for a long, like long, long, long time. <laughs> and it was like it was like a ghost town. Yeah. There's like no one there. It, 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 this this Cybertron. Firstly, there's sort of hints at like. You know, there's other towns. There's there's locations. It also looks like a war zone. Like it looks totally fucked. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's in really bad shape. And I just sort of like the bit. I like the bit where they're they're running around and they fight this big sort of lizard robot. <laughs> and it's sort of Decepticons yeah. on the outskirts of town that are like stopping people leaving and stuff like this. Again, it's another example of like, oh, you need to draw some baddies. Just make up. Some yeah, yeah, and they made some quite weird looking stuff. apparently this lizard thing's a decepticon we don't know who he is it doesn't really matter i guess but yeah that big lizard robot thing is with uh flywheels and uh battle trap or whatever his name is the other duocon yeah but they get scared off don't they or something because they um they go into callus which is like off limits to everybody because there's some creepy shit going on callus i think is where the Autobot leadership was based at this point. But yeah, obviously mm. when they get there, it's gone weird. They can't find anyone. Everyone seems spooked. And then, and then, like, in this fight, there's a great panel where Magnus just grabs a giant girder and bashes, like, flywheels. Yes, the I, sky. Know, I noticed that. <laughs> that was amazing, yeah. yeah. Just smashes him out of the sky. That, that's it, that's his trick. That's why he's the Autobot's top warrior, I suppose. He pulls things like that out of the bag. <laughs> he boasts about that later, which I found very um, full of himself. Yeah. But he is a bit of a dick, to be honest. Like, there's a bit where he, um, like early on, where he's talking to Flywheels. Yes. Like, Flywheels says something like, he, he basically like expresses a lack of distinction between blasting Autobots, whether they're alive or dead. Because we've got, mm. spoiler alert, everyone, there's zombies. <laughs> and, uh... Magnus replies to him, funny, we don't feel, we feel that way about Decepticons, prisoners or otherwise. So he's basically like, yeah. we've got, I've got no qualms with executing prisoners, that's fine. I mean, I don't really feel, I feel like... A bit of an arsehole. It's a bit of an odd, it's a bit of an odd tone for Magnus to take and it's not really what he's normally like. No. It's not really, it's not noble, is it? I mean, maybe he's just annoyed. No, not really, no. He's meant to be Autobot's greatest soldier or something, yeah. isn't he, so... That's what I wanted to ask you guys about, because it seems... I mean, I don't know these characters in this context. Mm -hmm. uh, When that was happening, when they were all coming to... They first encountered the zombies and they were attacking them and whatnot. It's like, Ultra Magnus doesn't want to kill any of them. But they're literally trying to rip the others apart. And he's like, don't kill them! (laughs) You know, what the... What they're killing us? (laughs) Well, I think he's he's concerned as to whether they're alive or not first, isn't he? But... But I mean, Magnus is basically portrayed from the get-go when he's first introduced into the comic as basically like the biggest badass there is on Cybertron. I think they kind of made him, didn't they? It's something about like they they built him as like the ultimate warrior or something. Yeah, and it's always a bit unclear like how this works and like how many 
more trans you know how many yeah. new transformers can you make like per year i don't know <laughs> it's, it's yeah. just an energon big energon commitment i don't know but that's why he's that's why he's sent to earth during target 2006 yes they freaked out because of the Ma- i mean this is this is a different story but they freaked out because the matrix mm. flamed out because galvatron had gone in the past and displaced prime into limbo with the Matrix, and then Ultra Magnus was sent to check it out, but it was also potentially disrupting this other big operation they did involving the Wreckers and yeah. Impactor, who are involved in this story. Yeah, he had to, he had to get back in time. He had like a wristwatch on, and he had to go. Like, yeah, <laughs> keep checking the time. <laughs> he had to get back to Cybertron on time to be involved in this big mission that was going to basically <laughs> end the war on Cybertron or something. And he he missed his window. Or was, something. Yeah, the mission was like we're gonna murder like twelve of the Decepticons' biggest badasses, and then that will yeah. like spark the revolution. I don't know how much sense it made, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, the wreckers. So I suppose we should get into it. So there's a, there's like a shocking reveal quite early on because they're wandering around, going, "What's happened here?" There's loads of like dead bodies lying around and so on, and one of them picks up the head of this robot that looks a lot like Cup. It does look like cop. Yeah, and um, and like they're kind of going, oh, well, there's something's out. there's been like a battle here or something. There's a lot of dead people lying around, and he put he drops it on the floor, and as they walk away, it suddenly opens its mouth and kind of looks terrifying. Yeah, that was great. It's a great it's a great image actually. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. I'm definitely I'm thinking about using it for the thumbnail for the, uh, for yeah. The I think it's a good call. It's also used as the in, in that transformation section at the start. I think they use it. As... It is, but yeah. So then they. They basically discover that the the dead are coming back to life and attacking people, which is why everyone's terrified of moving into this area. And another reason why Flywheels isn't too happy with being captured by them. The Flywheels is freaking out. Don't take me to Callus. <laughs> Shoot me. Yeah, exactly. Shoot me first. That kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So then... When do we when do we first see um Zaron? Is that like the next episode? Well that's the, I think that's that's the stru- I think this I mean it's part of the st- I think the structure which works quite well is the first third is really kind of almost a mystery thing. Mm. They don't really know what's happened. And then they, they sort of resolve that somewhat. Or they, they work out how to block oh, the, yeah. the, the zombie transformers which they, they do refer to explicitly as zombies mm. as well, which I thought was sort of an interesting little thing. Then I think, and the, the, you know, the big the part of the big mystery is like, what happened to Zauron and the Wreckers? Do we do we need to talk about what the Wreckers are? Is that is that obvious to everyone in in the in the wider in the wider community? Yeah, no, we should talk about what the Wreckers are. I mean, they they they've had quite a presence in Transformers ever since. Yeah, they're basically like a kind of elite troop of Autobot badasses, commandos, really. I suppose. Yeah, they? and they are traditionally originally led by Impactor, later led by um, Springer. Springer. And they usually involve characters such as Wreck and Ruin, uh, Roadbuster, Broadside, um, Twin Twist, and the other one, Top Spin. Top Spin. Yeah, it's like basically the triple change. The, it's the original Autobot triple mm. changers. Those jump, those guys that jump up into robot mode. Ju- jump starters, I think they're called. Jump, are they called jump starters? <laughs> um, a weird double-headed, double-bodied guy. Wreck and Ruin, who who doesn't have a toy? Who's not? Uh, Rekunu, who's definitely a, n- a non-toy yeah. character, Roadbuster, who's not in mm-hmm. this one. Um, I don't know if there's any loads, loads more wreckers. I feel there might be one or two more. There are one or two more. The full Marvel Comics lineup of wreckers includes Impactor, Springer, his triple changer brethren, Broadside and Sandstorm, Rack and Ruin, not Wreck and Ruin, as Orion keeps saying, Roadbuster. 
the jump starters top spin and twin twist, and finally the two we forgot, Inferno and Whirl. How could we forget Whirl? Ultra Magnus is kind of almost an honorary member, but not really. He sort of works with them a lot, but he's, yeah. Yeah, he's a bit to one side. So, so yes, yeah, so I think they, they figure out, or somehow, I think it just suddenly pops into someone's head that maybe some kind of signal is making all these dead Transformers come alive. Yeah, I think it might be flywheels, actually, that... that suggests it and then they sort of run with it yeah i think he suggests jamming it and there's a great oh, yeah that's right there's a great panel where um uh fizzle and guzzle i think kind of produce excellent kind of like dough kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. thing when they when, when they realize that uh so if this is just a signal uh, there's something we can do about this <laughs> yeah exactly um so they go to jam the signal and the the, uh, the transmitter station inside there is really nice. Like the the artwork. Yes, of the I really really station. like that that segment and the artwork in it. It's mm. great. Mm. I think yeah, that's, that's that's very. Um, is it is it Dan Reed's the artist for this one? Yeah, Dan Reed. Yeah, for these two. Yeah, issues, I think that's yeah. that's very typical of his style. He has these very kind of like globulous organic shapes. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it, there's there's a curviness to it that I quite like. It's all it's yes, yeah, it's, it's really kind of space age and. Uh, smooth and lots of like little kind of greebles on everything and so on yeah it's, it's got a lot going on which i quite like i really like that that part because it has the that bit with ultra magnus trying to figure out if you give um that guy a gun or not and he's, he's like hmm should i <laughs> he randomly decides to make um flywheels like his like like his guide or something for some reason Oh, his, his, yeah. his bodyguard. Well, I guess they, he took him there, so he he wanted to keep him close by, I suppose. But Couldn't he have chosen one of the sparkler bots since they're um, goodies? Fly, fly, <laughs> I mean, I like, I like... I think this is sort of what I like about Flywheels, is that he's quite... He gets just increasingly frustrated and sarcastic about the whole thing, and he's just sort of like... if you Look, if you want me to help, you're going to have to, like, meet me halfway. <laughs> Magnus is very much like, no, you're my prisoner. Like, you know, yeah. you, you could shoot any of us at any point. And you know, I guess there's, there's this sort of little subplot about how he has to kind of trust him, which which ultimately does pay off, as I guess we you would find you will find out if you read the whole thing. And he does kind of point out that he has a built-in gun, so taking away his. Oh yeah, pistol. that's also true. <laughs> I love that. I I love that. That was great. It's like. Sod you guys. I could become a tank. If I wanted to shoot you, I could have done this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they took his pistol away, but he's got a bloody great big cannon in his uh in his tank mode. I, I, I like this yeah, I like this theme of him being sort of these enemies being temporarily on the same side, like that's that's quite fun. Yeah. Flywheels, I think, just is happy he's it, well, he, anything to get out of there really is yeah. his general opinion. <laughs> so then I think they jam the signal, which what well, ends the zombies for a bit temporarily. Yeah, I think it, I think above the I think on the surface because as we later find out, the main action is happening underground, underneath, below, down below. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is where we transition into the next couple of issues, which is uh, what, what Legion of the Lost. Now. Legion, Legion of Lost, Legion of Lost, yeah, which is Jeff Anderson on art on that on those and. That's where we we get introduced to one of my one of my favorite things about it the the tech guys who I have the tech guys <laughs> they have like they're kind of generic looking transformers 
with glasses, glasses and clipboards. Oh, oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're basically meant to be like um, scientists yeah, or something. Yeah. They're bizarre, and they're very much trying to work on a kind of um, a non-violent solution to the problem, aren't they? <laughs> well, they could have done it, but then Springer was freaking out. Yeah, yes, he was. <laughs> because, yeah, so Emirates Arion is trying to sort this problem out, and his tech guys have got some ideas, but yeah, Springer's having a bit of a crisis of conscience. Yeah, well, really of confidence, uh, almost more. I mean, he's confidence. Sorry, yeah. His 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 um his sort of thing. I think it's a very like it's it's a very like kind of Transformers comic UK Transformers comics thing from this period. It's like anybody in any kind of leadership position who's like not a baddie is r- constantly racked with doubt. Yeah. Loads of hand wringing. Yeah, like what have I done? What 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 could I have done more? Like so so many so many I could have saved if I'd not mm. been such a tool. It's <laughs> all of that. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this was the weirdest the weirdest character uh, trait that I saw reading this is like because Springer I know yeah. is like really cocky and is like yeah. Han Solo is like this is I've I've never experienced Springer to be like this like to, to doubt himself. The spring, the spring of the comics is considerably different to the spring of the TV show. Very, yeah, yeah. He's pretty much a completely different character. I like both. I think it's 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 quite a sort of. I mean, it's quite a comic book thing. I think almost in a way, like you know, I think I think you know, if you look at like probably a lot of other like comics in Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, you find the self doubting heroes is probably like quite a, a constant thing. Yeah. People like sort of, you know, the Spider-Man stuff, like the burden of responsibility of these powers, and yep, absolutely. And it's it's all it it feels like, you know, I know like Furman did write for other comics and probably steeped in this kind of stuff, and it just sort of feels like this was a sort of form of storytelling that they just liked, I guess. In, yeah, in and writing of the of the period, probably still now. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily know, but it's a good trope. Um, yeah, they can kind of they can bring that out whenever they need to. And it gives you it gives you an extra few pages of of, of dialogue and uh, uh, no no back sure extreme close ups on yeah. his face. <laughs> but but basically basically what he's struggling with is that he's very recently taken over from Impactor as the leader of um the of the of the wreckers after Impactor's death. But he's just not sure that he's he's cut cut out for the job, and he's kind of going back back and forth quite a bit and having trouble making decisions. So much so that yeah. he. So much so that a tech guy gets his head torn off. It's more where that came from. <laughs> yeah, the zombies attack them, and like, uh, and while Springer is basically dithering, and the rest of the wreckers are standing around going, "What should we do, boss?" Uh, the tech guys get um, mauled by a bunch of zombie guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think possibly anyone could freak out in that situation. But I suppose he, he is meant to be leader of the the elite. Team mm. of, of of the Ultimate Warriors. Yeah, I think um, Zaron, the way he deals with it is very. You know, he 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 is the politician, and that's his character, Emirate Zaron. And I, I don't know if we, we probably want to talk about him a bit as well because he, he's very prominent in this. But he's he's extreme. He's highly manipulative. I thought. Yes. In this situation, he's just like, what well, what would impact to one? You know, like mm. can't like be. You know, but he he really he really sort of tugs on his. Um, Quite blatantly, kind of emotionally blackmails him into doing the right thing. But, 
I mean, but it was the right thing. But but it's still the, it was definitely the right thing to do, and that, that's why he's in charge. He's very justified. Yeah, <laughs> he's a great character, and he's yeah, he's basically like the boss of the Autobots on on a uh, on Cybertron. On Cybertron, yeah. And yeah, he is he is far more a politician than a fighter. Um, in fact, he as we find out later, he's not he's not transformed for yes. hundreds of years, and worries that if he did do so, it the shock might kill him. So strange to me. That's like so peculiar. As a, is it like a muscle? Do they have to like do transformation yeah, workouts? So. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird idea, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I quite, I always quite liked it. It's something that's kind of visited later in Action Masters, and in a way, he's kind of like the first Action Master because he doesn't transform. <laughs> but yeah, like the transformation requires quite a bit of. Well, I suppose you are changing from one form to another. It probably requires a lot of effort and a lot of energy. And especially if you've not done it in a while, it might... Uh, I suppose so. Like, he basically says something like, it's gonna, it, it could tear me apart or something. But, I mean, I guess I actually, like... When I... If I find, you know, if I, when I, if I find some really, really old Transformers... Like, toys... <laughs> it, it feels like that could happen when you try to transform them, so... Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what they were thinking vintage, about. Vintage, vintage, uh, vintage G one toys, especially ones with like gold plastic or something. You know, vintage like G one transformation danger. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah, you want to be careful. It could be quite he brittle. Is gold. <laughs> he is gold. Yeah. gold. He is gold. He also is gold. Yeah. <laughs> that's an issue. So yeah, um, they get captured, don't they, by um, by flame? Is that right? Yes, I think this is a flashback. So I guess in part part one, in yeah. the first two parts, where like we, one of the big mysteries is we don't know what happened to these guys, and then you get to this point, and it, yeah, transpires. So they got captured, and I think it starts. They're sort of already captured, yeah, by flame, and they're wearing inhibitor bands, which prevent them from transforming. Yes, which when I first saw it, I was like, why are these? bands they've got not over their arms and then I then later they explained that they weren't tied up they were just stopping them from transforming yeah because um, at first I was like they could just walk about and do whatever they want like so so it's like the movie they're not like ropes they're just to stop them from transforming it's like what the Quintessons use is it yeah so I guess so except in the movie the, but they do like, they, yeah. those do pin down their arms though don't they I think yeah but they then they say that it stopped, they couldn't transform while it was on them or something then yeah yeah, it does feel kind of similar to that. Yeah, it's a kind of similar thing. And this was 88, so that movie was well in the past, so it's quite possible it was influenced by that. But, I mean, the, the artworks are quite good. I like it. It's cleaner than cleaner than Reed's yes. artwork. It's, it's um, changed. Yeah, it's changed. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Jeff Anderson. I, I like the art. I like all three um, mm. artists, I think, who did this. It's, it's just got... I mean, it it is cleaner. It's still got some, like, really nice frames... Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite, it's still quite expressive. Yeah, I like it. Um, but I, yeah, like I say, I like liked all of it. To be honest, it's it's good stuff. I did read the letters pages on every issue as well, which is also a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I went through some of that stuff. Actually, I, I mean, I th- I think this is probably my favourite period for the artwork in this actually, which is like another reason that I that I, I sort of went back to this story. So, and actually, I thought like Target two thousand and six, which I also read. Um, it's like I think there's something sort of about the color palette in those that period which is kind of a bit murky yeah it's muddy isn't it it's It's a muddy color palette and i think Mm. it's it's obviously like actually if you look at it it's often the coloring you know obviously the colorings have been done by a different person and they had this very sort of shiny shiny robot kind of 
um, color. You know, they they have these sort of almost like reflection marks and stuff on the on the panels, and it's it's almost a bit like hard to see what's going on in some of the, mm. you know, some of the panels. I think. Yeah. Whereas no, this, it is. this this point, it's sort of it's cleaner. It's sort of just a bit easier to see. It's a bit kind of sim- it's a bit simplified in a good way. I think. I think they've got. I think they've kind of moved more into a kind of a house style now. Yeah. I mean, they obviously have different styles between artists, but Transformers seems to have kind of solidified into a a particular look. Whereas, I early issues, there you had some people drawing in a very kind of painterly kind of way, and then other people who were doing more kind of dynamic stuff, and it was it was kind of all over yeah, the place. I mean, the early ones, some of them, they looked very, you know, they made them look very, very like the toys as well and stuff like that, which I guess people mm. would absolutely, some, some some, of your modern fans would absolutely love. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's, I guess it's more they want the, they actually want the the toys to look like the fictional version, so. Yeah. Which is odd, actually, because I sort of see the toys as like the kind of primary source, really. Yeah, I, I think there's that. that's the differentiation between a lot of, a lot of fans is that, you know, that, the TV show or the artwork. I mean, to be honest, I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times, but like show or comic book accuracy is such an impossible thing to achieve because <laughs> these things are so kind of different. Yeah, inconsistent. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think you should want a cartoon and a toy and a comic to look exactly no. the same. No, I don't think so. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. It's like, especially animated cartoons are like simplified very much on purpose for like reasons of um, you know, just economy. Yeah, yeah exactly. In... So then, when you make a toy that looks like that, it looks wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. But then Hasbro can sell you three different versions. So well, yeah, that's the, these days. Yeah, they'll, they'll go. Oh, this is the one from uh, that comic, and this is the one from that TV show, and this is the one from the modern TV show, and we just kind of changed the artwork, the, the, the deco, or or we've put slightly remolded the head or whatever. But but yeah, so in the flashback, because we've kind of gone a little bit ahead to where they're in the he- inhibitor bands. In yeah, the flashback, sure. they basically get attacked by the undead. And oh wait, um, in the flashback, there's some. An- Another flashback? I mean, Springer's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of right. <laughs> Springer's talking about Prime. Yeah, it's a flashback, yeah, a flashback within a flashback. About yeah. When he first became leader of the uh, Wreckers, I think, isn't it? Yeah. What was going on there? Why was Prime in handcuffs? It tells me to go to issue 99, but I haven't got that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't remember. What, what, what was the reference to issue 99? Something about Prime in handcuffs. That he was a traitor or something. Oh, no, I have no idea what that was. I, I don't think I actually read it quite that early on, actually. I think I picked up on it a bit later, and then I've sort of seen a, you know bits and bobs of the earlier bits. Yeah, it's while he's doing all his kind of um, mithering over becoming leader. Yeah. Uh, something to do with uh, Megatron basically kind of conning Sp- uh, Springer into executing... Prime as a traitor or something, but but yes, you'd have to go back to issue ninety nine to check right. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I, maybe I will, maybe I will do that. <laughs> Which of course we did later. The flashback to issue ninety nine follows on from Prey, a story in which Optimus Prime attempts to fake his own death in order to test the remaining Earthbound Autobots in their ability to cope without him. As is often the case, plans change, and Prime ends up transported to Cybertron with Megatron by way of a space bridge. Megatron, at this point obsessed with Prime's destruction, 
what's new, right? Puts the word out on the Autobot grapevine of Cybertron that a Decepticon disguised as Optimus Prime is attempting to infiltrate the Autobot resistance. You can probably work it out from there. This leads to Prime being captured by Ultra Magnus and the Wreckers, and Springer almost executing him as a Decepticon spy. To be fair, it was more on Ultra Magnus than it was ever on Springer, but with his incredible self-confidence, I'm sure it doesn't bother Magnus at all. The upshot is that they, they get attacked by um, by all these zombies, and we've already had, in this flashback, we've had Springer talking about his his uh, doubts about taking over from his hero, Impactor. And then when the zombies attack, the big cliffhanger at the end is... Impactor is one of the zombies! Zombie Impactor! Yeah. Ooh. Oh no! He does look pretty terrifying. Yeah. It looks um, very much like a cross between a Terminator. You know, like when Arnie's got half yeah. the face and the red eye poking through. Yeah, he does kind of have that... Very, yeah, he very much has that, actually. He's got I'm loads sure. of his kind of skin, as it were, removed. And uh, underneath, it's like all yeah. just kind of bits of wire and uh, and bent bits of metal <laughs> and so on. Uh, which leads yeah. to probably my favourite cover of the whole lot, which is the first cover of... Is it the next part? Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, though, actually, isn't it? It's a great... It's really, really nice, yeah. I mean, I can't remember... I've got, I've got in my notes who drew that. It was um, Je- uh, Jerry Paris, he did that cover. It's terrifying and comedic, simultaneously. I don't know. I haven't got the covers in between the issues, so I don't know what... All right, so basically what it looks like is Impactor, Zombie Impactor, who's mm. got his, like hand almost round Springer's throat and he's threatening him with his with his uh, spear hand. Oh, yeah. And he's c- kind of pushing him over and S- uh, Springer is saying, Ack! Does this <laughs> mean we're not friends anymore? <laughs> yeah, I think they, they did like to put... I think especially on the cover, like, they would yeah. be quite happy to put in all sort of jokey bits like that. But, I mean... Without that speech bubble, it's it's pretty horrifying. But the, the speech bubble does undercut it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I guess this was like a comic for children, essentially. I mean, of course, of course. And I mean, if you if you saw that issue on the in the in the news agents, as it were, you'd be like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, and it's it's also it's a very jokey, you know, it's comic book style, I suppose, isn't it? There's always some tongue in cheekness, I think, too. Yeah. This maybe maybe in this sort of era of comics, or you know, I think there's always. I mean, I suppose it's like maybe it's worth talking a little bit about the the transformation section at the start, which is you know obviously it's yeah. almost like a little newsletter, and it's quite kind of like folks. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it... and I, I guess my question is, as somebody that hasn't read loads of comics, would be like, is is this was this typical of comics to have this sort of intro section that's going to tell you this kind of thing? It it is. It is. It's it's typical of Marvel comics for mm. sure. Yeah, do Marvel comics still do this? They do, not not necessarily in quite the way that they did then, or in this particular in this particular comic, because this was Marvel UK, so it had its own kind of slightly yeah, of course, idiosyncratic spin on it. But you still have a page at the beginning of every Marvel comic, or last time I checked anyway, that basically recaps what's happening mm-hmm. and says, so far, uh, this is what's happening at the moment. And, yeah. and so on and so forth. So you you always have that. I think it'd be like a little cross sell telling you who's in this issue. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Whereas, I think, I think it's... 
So, what? But one of the things the UK comic does is it has like little, little bits about what's happening in like within the art or the backup, um, the backup strips. Yes, I really noticed that actually, and it's it's like I think it is a bit. I guess it's something you lose if you get the bound editions. Actually, it's fun going back and looking through these. Mm. Yeah, I don't have them. <laughs> I mean, I've got scans of these. I I think I have all of these comics actually somewhere, but like I'm looking at scans yeah. of this. And, yeah, I thought it was very fun, actually. It was sort of like, you, you know, you get this sense, it's almost like a little newsletter about, like, this... And it was every week, I think, this, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is quite amazing to think about. It is. It's absolutely amazing, because, like, week. obviously, the American comic was coming out monthly, so they had to make a lot of backup oh. material to fill the pages. But, yeah, so, yeah, that those those little transformation things. So, yeah, they are... It is kind of typical for comics, but it is slightly it's more... It's got its own tone... Yeah, it has got its own yeah, tone. I think and it has this real sense of like this is your sort of weekly. Maybe it sort of gives you that feeling of being in like a bit of a fan community. I suppose this is on my weekly broadcast from the world of Transformers and like associated Marvel comics and like mm. the letters page also kind of feeds into that a bit as well. I was going to say yeah, the letters page definitely follows that through because you get the fan feedback and you get Grimlock or whoever is manning the uh, the letters page at the time. At this time, it was Grimgrams. Yeah, it's still Grimgrams. <laughs> and uh, and Grimlock would be basically answering people's questions. People would often... There's a lot of people complaining about continuity errors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 actually, I mean, I, actually, having read the letters page, I was like, I'm actually assuming that this had quite a lot of adult readers as well, because yeah. these weren't letters written by children. They didn't seem to be, they, did they? Didn't... Yeah. But yeah, and, and he'd call, he called the people who wrote, who made the comic Stubbs or Stubbies. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and they would write in saying, "Oh, the Stubbies have done it again. They miscolored this person in issue 183." <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure they did miscolored things a lot in these comics. But yeah, I, I, th- I thought like it's a, it sort of gives the impression that maybe Grimlock works in their office. <laughs> no, it's um, brilliant. <laughs> which is which is, I guess is fun. He sat there reading reading the the letters and then answering them and all, and like. And it's quite good when people go, well, there's a problem here because in the cartoon that I've seen, it's quite different. And he goes, oh, well, the cartoon do their own thing. It's got nothing to oh, do with still, it. Still, even, even, back, even back then, even back then, it's still it's kind of winching. And Grimlock would just say, oh, they do their own thing. They're a law unto themselves. The real story's here in the comic. Correct, correct position, in my view. Yeah. To get back to the story, then, so the, the, the final part of the story is um, uh, what's it called again? It's called meltdown. Meltdown. Ah, of course. So, oh, it's, uh, well, actually, no, we're halfway through Legion of Lost, aren't we? Because Impactor has come in through the door. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the door looks like a regular human door, which I, I noticed. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's got... it's, yeah, you can see. Actually, I mean, I'm looking at this. You can. There's a hinge. Yeah. There's an it does basically look like the Transformers work in an office. But then, why not? In a way, why not? Like, it's a simple piece of technology. You don't have to make everything like a sci-fi door. No, no, it's fine. But he swings the door open, and uh, and there he is in his in all his uh, kind of sinewy glory. Yeah, it's another quite good good panel actually. I think. But then we then we go then we jump back to present day, um, as it were, and what's happening with a. Uh, with them in their inhibitor bands and so on. And we finally get it properly introduced to Flame. Yes. Is this the first time we see this character, by the way? Is this... Absolutely, yeah. No, I think we see time. him a little... We see him a little bit... 
Oh, in this in the, story? I, I think we see him a little bit earlier on when those explosions are happening, don't we? I think we just see his hand or something or whatever. You see, oh, no, no, yeah. See yeah. Hand, yeah. yeah but, but I mean, like, this is the first time. I think this, this yes. is sort of a hint. There's someone behind the behind This is the, the first time we get introduced to the character, stuff. yeah. Um, wow. Of, of Flame. Okay. Um, who looks a little bit like Hot Rod. A little? <laughs> a little bit. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I suppose the chest, the, de- the he does have that flaming chest sort of detail, which is yeah. very hot rodey. But I don't, I don't know if he's. It's the color palette and the and the flame on the yeah. chest. I guess yeah. he looks like Hot Rod and Pyro from uh, the Brotherhood of Mutants. That's I, what I initially thought. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose, more, more it's more his pat is his special power, as it were, because he's. Yeah, this this is an interesting thing. He's a he's a scientist. He's a yeah. But he turns into a tank that fires flames. Well, I guess you don't get to choose, you know, how that works. If you're created a transformer, you're like, well, this is my ult mode. I'm like, I'm sort of fire weapon. But like, what I really want to do is go to the Autobot Academy of Sciences with Henry Zaron and my fellow students. Well, yeah. Which I think it was, it was something like as silly as that. It was like... I think it was something like the Autobot Academy. Of it, Science it was or something, something like along that. those lines. In fact, I think I've got the page here. Um, something about the pompous council of elders and so on, and then yeah, and then yeah, it's something about oh yeah, the Academy of Science and Technology. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I mean, sure, why not? I mean, I guess I thought it had something. I thought it had something to do with the fire. I thought it was going to be more like he wanted the thrusters to ignite because he lights fire, or there was. I, I was expecting more fire to be at the end of it. No, he's he's not he's not obsessed with fire. He may he may be called <laughs> no. flame and he may shoot fire out of his tank mode, but he's not basically his um his plan is to is to modify Megatron's plan that was originally to turn Cybertron into like a a spacefaring battle station mm-hmm. to go and well basically fly around the universe like the Starship Enterprise uh, so the Starship Enterprise and uh, or the Death Star well no not Death Star he's, he doesn't want to hurt anybody he just wants to go do some exploring <laughs> he, he's, he's sort of basically got he's weirdly well intentioned but completely crazy like his idea is like actually like quite a nice plan but like yeah. there's a few obvious like massive problems with it and, uh, <laughs> like one is it won't work and it will just blow probably blow up the planet but also I mean I had another thought about this which is like this planet has a war on it. Yeah. It <laughs> so does. why do you want, like, is it going to be very welcome when it shows up? <laughs> it's like, we're, we're doing, um, we're doing like mainly science and exploration, but like also we've been fighting a war against these other guys for like millions of years. <laughs> um, try to keep out of that and like we have a nice time. So maybe don't visit the surface. Don't visit the surface. <laughs> don't ask too many questions. <laughs> But yeah, oh, wow. he basically wants to go about doing a kind of diplomatic mission, which you know he is—he is bonkers. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely very mad. I think that's that—that—that's driving most of what he's doing. You know, he's mad because he puts his little finger up to his face when he laughs yeah, in a really strange way. Yeah. He kind of does it like a kind of like almost like a Vulcan, <laughs> like a sideways Vulcan um, uh, greeting uh, at one point, which I'm not sure what what that's all about. He does look nuts. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that an Autobot is the baddie in this, and I think that was something yeah, I found fun it is when good. I first read it as well. That is that is well, yeah. It was very strange. <laughs> again, again, maybe it does sort of give that impression of a slightly bigger, more complex world as well. As yeah. 
it's something a comic does a fair bit. Like that, that's one of the things I like about it is that the characters are far less two dimensional. It's not like I'm a Decepticon, therefore I am a Autobot, therefore I am. Yeah, I mean Grim Grimlock does some appalling stuff yeah. at various points. There's a lot of nuance, isn't there? And there's a lot of people who aren't quite sure they're on the right side of this war. Um, at times, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, flywheels. I mean, he he doesn't seem too dedicated to the Decepticon cause. No, no, he's just sort <laughs> of like, how do I get through the day? Yeah, like, that's his. That's his. <laughs> that's what he's in, interested in. <laughs> How do I get through the day without becoming like a zombie or like getting shot by one of these Autobots? Yeah. But then he does, and I guess we'll get on to, he does sort of come good in the end. Yeah, yeah, he does. So so we've got this this kind of um, prisoner situation and uh, Flame kind of wanders off, doesn't he, to um, tend to his uh, his big plan and uh, yeah. leaves Impact to, to, to watch them. Impact doesn't do a particularly good job of watching them. I mean, he is a a zombie after all. He's just being remote controlled by some computer, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's not very clear how that works. He seems to have some sort of autonomy. Mm. That was, I was was going to ask, what's going on with this signal in the zombies? It was very vague. Yes. It just skimmed over that part of like how he's controlling these dead people. Yeah. And it gets even more confusing later when, when Impact's consciousness starts to resurface. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, it, 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 it's it's. I, I think it's something that it basically doesn't really make sense. But it, it sort of makes sense like emotionally in the story, <laughs> you know. I guess with the characters, <laughs> and that, 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 I think that's how you you've got. If you don't, you've got to view it on that level, or, or it definitely doesn't work at all. Yeah, there's a lot of um, flame explaining his crazy plan, and then he buggers off to go continue with it yeah. after doing that weird kind of finger thing in his face. <laughs> He does, yeah, there's another point where he's waving his finger around the top of his head. So yeah, I, I think that's just... what we're talking about. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of. It's actually, it's nice to have that level of a sort of visual characterization in in a comic. I suppose. I suppose that's that's what makes comic. You definitely get across that he is crazy. Yes, um, which is perfect, really. I really, I really like his design. I like how he's got, almost looks like he's got like a surfboard on his back, or like some sort of hoverboard. I guess that's where the flame tanks are. Also. Yeah, I assume it's like where all the uh, all all those explosive chemicals are for his, <laughs> <laughs> which is great for a scientist carrying around a load of kind of a flammable stuff on his back. Yeah, it feels like he was never really a very appropriate guy to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't cut out for it, neither physically nor mentally. No. no. But yeah, that, but you know that's his ambition, and he's he's uh, he's gonna carry it out. So we have more, we have some more stuff where Springer kind of struggles, and like you were saying, this is where Zarian um, Zarian does his kind of um, manipulative stuff. Guilt trips him, really. Yeah. Then we have the reason Springer's called Springer finally revealed because of his leaping ability. He has a special leaping ability. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's why. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, it must be, wasn't it? They suddenly go. There's there's a vent up there. You can leave by. Um, use your sp- use your leaping ability to to get away because none of the rest of us could do that. I feel like they, they could. Stand on. If, I mean, really, yeah. It seems lacks of flame to leave them in a room with a vent in the ceiling, and it's like <laughs> they could probably work something out, like just standing yeah, on each other or something. Like, yeah, so we'll lie down. Like Springer can stand on top of you. Mm. But he used his leaping ability. Got on the vent. Why did they have a vent? What what? 
What for? That's an extremely <laughs> that's a, that's an extremely astute observation, actually. <laughs> <laughs> why, why would they? They why they need a vent? They don't need aircon. They're robots. They do appear to be in like a regular human office building at this point. Yeah, uh, with the with the opening doors and the air vents and so on. It's it is it, it, it. When Simon Furman was writing this, he was probably just looking around the Marvel UK office and going, "Well, um, yeah, how would I get out of this?" <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps if I was able to jump really, really high, I could get into that. Though. Yeah, exactly. but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, whatever. They might well need to circulate gases around their base. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, why not? I guess. Fine. But it, it, it does appear that, that Springer has some kind of jetpack or something. Yeah. That's how his leaping ability works, because he kind of shoots up to the to the ceiling with some little jets coming out of his back. It's actually on his toys. He's still got the jets. It must be part of his... Helicopter mode. Yeah, probably is. Yeah, it's probably something like that, yeah. Uh, Impactor grabs hold of him, so he disappears into the vent with Impactor. And then it, it does a really... He tries to kind of appeal to Impactor's... The old Impactor. The Impactor that we thought was dead. Yeah. And he, he manages to kind of um, get through to him. But as soon as he does, he ditches him. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, straight away. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's just like impact. Is like, what am I? I need to know. And Spring is just like, bye. all right, bye. Like my work here is done. I guess. He, he kind of tries to appeal to him say, as his as his old friend and going, oh, you know, oh, we used to be friends. We were, you know, you were my mentor. And then he's like, oh, oh shit, yeah, oh, oh, oh God, what's happened to me? He, he literally says, I'd love to help you. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> It's a sort of like I'm not helping you. See you later. Yeah, I mean he he does have bigger fish to fry, I suppose. To be fair, well yes, he has to end he has to end um, Flame's uh, ridiculous plan, and which may may result in like Cybertron blowing up. Really, yeah, it's going to be a very least like serious surface damage. Yeah, something we should have mentioned is these engines he wants to use are incredibly unstable, and there's like a giant fusion reactor that could basically blow a massive hole in Cybertron if uh, if the, if it's engaged. It has been. It's been having accidents and making little explosions already and it's like, oh, they're mm. fine. This is he's, he's, <laughs> they're like, this yeah. is what's this is what's gonna no happen. No reason to think Stop this it. will work except for <laughs> yeah. being crazy. Yeah. Like, all the signs all the signs point to it being a very bad plan. Yeah, but you know he's he just really, really wants he's to he's set on it. He's got his mindset on it. He's gonna yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, consequences be damned. So yeah, I think that's, that's I think that's pretty much the cliffhanger, isn't it? At the end, it's uh... that's Legion of Lost. Yeah, yeah. we're now into yeah. into meltdown. So a changing of the guard again. We've got a nice a nice cover with Flame's fist with Springer broadside and uh, Zarian and uh, an Ultra Magnus kind of hanging out of his fist. Oh yeah, that's a weird cover actually, isn't it? It's not to scale, obviously. No, it's meant to be representative, I think. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's yeah. Not, uh, this isn't something that happens in the story. Actually, of all the wreckers other than Springer, Broadside has the most lines. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of other wrecker, I suppose. He's the one who kind of goes, yeah. sort yourself out, Springer. It's like, can you get your fucking shit together, Springer? Like, <laughs> actually being attacked by what appears to be zombies, so we need a plan. <laughs> And Springer's like, I just don't know if I'm cut out for this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the rest of them just kind of stand around waiting for orders, pretty much. 
I really like this first pa- first page of Meltdown though. With flame, this angry or happy. I can't tell. Oh yeah, uh, that's a yeah. It's, I think it's sort of the sec. Well, there's a there's a prelude where it's just a recap of what's happening, and there's a great uh, sort of single panel of flame just looking yeah. very mad. No, it's it's yeah, really it's nice great. that they have this because obviously they have the. They have the first page where they kind of tell you what happened before, but it's nice that there's like an in-story recap. Yeah, especially as you were like, I mean, we haven't really seen Magnus and the Sparklers for two issues, so... Yeah, they've been kind of uh, AWOL. It's nice to be reminded that they're still up to something. (laughs) They're wandering around looking for them, aren't they? (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that first splash page of um, Flame is, is great. Yeah, really, really. Yeah, good. that's a really, that's a really top-notch one. Actually. Yeah, the artist team has has moved New on, artist. and we're yes. we've got Robin Smith. <laughs> Robin Smith, who's yeah, he's 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 great. Apparently, he didn't do a lot of art for Transformers, but um, the art he did do is great. Yeah, I think he's a, a 2000 AD guy. Yeah, he. I think you might be right. Yeah. In fact, I think there's quite a lot of crossover. I mean, I, I guess I basically think probably a lot of people drawing comics at this time in the UK had done something to do with, you know, been involved in it to some degree. Yeah, loads of loads of the people who worked on Marvel UK moved on, worked on other UK comics like 2000 AD and so on. Because back then you couldn't get your pages done and send them over to the UK from America or vice versa, so... You know, it was all done. You probably have to send them in by by surface mail or something. Yeah, yeah. So it take air. <laughs> we forever. didn't have the internet, and they and they were whacking out a comic a week, so they hadn't got the time for that. Yeah, yeah they need to find a local artist. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, we, we basically we're entering the the end game of uh, Flame's plan yeah. here. Flame's plan to blow up Cybertron. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, he's basically yeah, he basically wants to start um, the uh, Transformers version of Starfleet. Only with a planet. Sort of like Starfleet Death Star, <laughs> like with a war on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's not the best with setup. With zombies at his um, command. But, but he's doing it nonetheless. He also looks pretty terrifyingly evil. Robin Smith's art makes him look quite sinister. Yes, I think he draws Flame really, really well and he makes him look, yeah, very menacing looking. Hmm. Springer has escaped and he's he's basically caught up with um Ultra Magnus and the Sparkler minibots. And and there's a, a nice thing going on where people are starting to kind of like get a bit fed up with Ultra Magnus and Springer's kind of seeing a kind of correlation between his feelings of uh, of uncertainty and mm. uh, and Ultra Magnus's cuz they're kind of banging on at him for like trusting flywheels to go and get um oh yeah yeah he sent he sent flywheels off to get some uh oh, reinforcements yeah. and uh i mean understandably it's like chances are this guy's just gonna hoof it like, yeah <laughs> especially based on his previous attitudes <laughs> absolutely yeah i was confused by where they are because they talk about needing reinforcements but like i think it's like the next page they turn they turn to their left and there's a vault full of guns that was just there because it's the old Autobot base of operations. Yeah, I believe just, it's, the, it's, it's the Autobot resistance base. I'm sure they've got cabinets full of guns. I, I I don't find that that unbelievable. But I mean, if Springer was if Springer was so close, I thought he, they were like like subterranean at this point. But I guess not that much. Well, we've kind of mentioned it before, but but Emma Azarian, basically, he's the leader of the resistance in on Cybertron at the time. Quite a lot of Cybertron is kind of Decepticon controlled. So he's basically fighting a kind of guerrilla war with uh, the Decepticon forces. 
So I guess their uh, base of operation moves around a bit from time to time. Yeah, I think that's sort of maybe implied that mm. this is just their current. This is where they so currently are. Yeah. The icon's done. I mean, my, my question is more than this. If you have a room full of guns and you seem to be very sparse with the guns you have, get more of your bigger guns before oh, you I go see. down on the big final mission <laughs> in, into the unknown. Yeah, zombies yeah. Um, they just—they're quite—they're quite slapdash about it, aren't they? Really? They're like, "Oh, we can handle ourselves. It's fine. We've got um, Ultra Magnus, uh, the Autobot's greatest warrior. If he does say so himself, <laughs> so it's fine." I mean, to be fair, he does do something in, in later on. What I think is justified why he has that. Title. I mean, he's already knocked—he's already knocked flywheels out of the sky with a girder. Um, it was that, a great move. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, if you imagine how fast flywheels must have been flying, that's pretty great. Jet speed. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we'll get we'll get to it. It's my favourite line in the entire thing. <laughs> All right. Well, well great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But basically, they they head down they head down below where the engines to where the engine room is or whatever or where the where the reactor is. That's it. Because uh, Springer's bringing back. Ultra Magnus is on, whilst Flywheels is off finding reinforcements, apparently. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, there's a face-off between Zaron and Flame. Mm. Yes. And Although there, is a, great, there a... is a great bit where a zombie bites Broadside's head. Yes. <laughs> Stuff like but that. Yes. Yeah. And the Impactor saves him. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, Impactor comes back after after being basically ditched by uh, <laughs> by Springer earlier. He's uh, he's been wandering around, struggling with the fact that he's an abomination. Oh yeah, that's a that's a lovely panel of of Broadside being bitten in the head. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Impactor. Yeah, Impactor then does come. Yeah, does does turn up and save the day. And he's now basically kind of just Impactor again, except he's all messed up. Yeah, pretty much. And again, it's not very clear how... The, I, I think it's it's quite a classic trope, actually, I think, is it? Yeah. In, like, undead stories. It's like the idea that the person, the original person, can somehow be reached. I think you would find this cropping up in quite a lot of this kind of fiction. Yeah. Yeah, there's still some... There's still part of you in there somewhere. Um, and uh, if if only I appeal to that part of you... Um, You'll you'll uh, you'll help us. Or I mean, to be fair, it makes more sense with robots if you think that about it. That is true. You know, I guess their memory banks would still be intact. And yeah, yeah, it doesn't really make. Considering they they obviously run on fuel, it doesn't really make any sense that you could animate them with radio signals anyway. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot about this doesn't like quite <laughs> add up, but it's sort of like a spooky horror adventure. Story yeah, set set in set in Cybertron. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Then we end up with like Zaren is now in the room with Flame, having a kind of conversation with him. Ever the diplomat, Zaren uh, appeals to him by calling him crazy, which doesn't go down too well. Yeah, he walks right past him, like, right. If you're not going to shut it off, I'll shut it off. And he yeah, transforms behind him. He's like, oh yeah, crap. He can do that. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, they did for a bunch of guys who essentially their 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 main modus operandi is turning into things. They do tend to forget that people turn into yeah. things quite often. It's like, damn, I didn't know you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! He turns into a flame tank. Yeah. I, think, I think Zaron sort of muses later. It's like, 
Yeah, thinking about it, like he always was quite a dangerous guy. He turns <laughs> <laughs> his attack mode is like very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there are loads of explosions, and the 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 wreckers turn up. Well, not the wreckers really. Um, it's Ultra Magnus and his guys and Springer turn up, and there's loads of explosions. They have to get through a door. Yeah. Which is where something pretty spectacular happened. Yeah, this, I mean, this is sort of another small reason why I think this is a good one, actually. Yeah. The appearance no. of... Trypticon! Hooray! I was, no, I was, not, I was not expecting that. Most people were assuming Flywars had just buggered off, and considering his demeanour throughout the whole thing, that's what you'd expect. But he only turns up with basically one of the biggest Decepticons on the planet. Who can fit in this tunnel, by the way? Which was oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's not talk about scale and transformers. It never goes well. Yeah, it's like it's not just the cartoon, and I mean it's constant through the comic as well, really. In fact, mm-hmm. I think if you look at two thousand target two thousand six, like Impact is like a lot bigger than he is in this. Yeah, for yeah. example, that's just one example. It just fluctuates, doesn't it? It's it's not important. If he needs yeah. to be in a tunnel, he gets in a tunnel. It's fine. He's still pretty bloody imposing, and he is big, basically yeah, the, the, the tunnel seems to have got a lot bigger, yeah, so that it can accommodate him because <laughs> <laughs> all the other guys are tiny. So it's a nice character to to pick for this moment. And... Yeah, it's it's good, and and imagine being nineteen eighty eight. I don't know when Trypticon was released, but it, it can't have been too long ago. So I guess he was still kind of kind of, kind of hot stuff at the time, as it were. Yeah, I don't know if he's in 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 that many stories. Actually, I can't I can't think of Trypticon appearing in these comics a lot. No, I don't remember him appearing an awful this lot. Might be the only one. I mean, it can't be the. I'm sure it's not the only one actually because it was a big it was a big release as a toy. Trypticon was released during 1986 and 1987 in the US. However, he was never released in the UK. He did appear in a comic a couple of times, but only once in Marvel UK in this very story. Some issues later in number 185, Marvel UK, in conjunction with Hasbro UK, offered three Trypticon toys as a competition prize. His inclusion might be a prelude to that, or maybe it gave him the idea, or maybe it's a total coincidence, who knows. To be honest, outside of Fort Max and um, Scorponok, you don't see a lot of the city bot in the comic book, I don't think. No... Metroplex, he was only in it once. And I would say he's the he's the Autobot equivalent of Trypticon. They probably came out around the same yes. time. Yes, yeah, he is kind of his opposite number. But yeah, you don't see you don't you don't see Trypticon a lot, so it's quite a quite a surprising one. Yeah. To be honest, as a Transformer, he was always one of those ones that I was confused by because he doesn't have a proper robot mode. Yes, that's right. He's, he just has two it is He just has two alt modes, basically. Mm. I mean maybe maybe the dinosaur mode is a sort of re- I don't know what you mean. There's no humanoid robot. It's yeah. unusual. It's like it's like Ravage or Ratbat or something. Isn't yeah. It? Just, yeah. That's their primary mode. Yeah, that's he's fair. a he's a beast. He's a beast robot, isn't he? Maybe he was was he made by that big monkey? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh yeah. I think yeah, he, is. he is. I think he's he is. One, yeah. He's Primacorn. one of the primitives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is he a primitive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he is definitely one of the primitives. I suppose. Yeah, you've got you've got Skylinks as well, who's similar. Mm. It's it's not yeah it's not totally unprecedented at all but it it it, it stands out. But it did seem I think it seemed odd to me at the time because 
like we say, his opposite number was Metroplex, who was far more traditionally a a robot man and a city. Yeah. But he had like a, the toy had like a kind of a a battery operated gimmick. It walked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never had that. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that toy. Actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I've not seen the actual, the original 80s toy in the flesh. I obviously, you know, know a bit about it, but I've never seen it in reality. As a, as Dave will tell you, they have revisited all of this stuff, and there's a new Trypticon um, that is massive. Yeah, I was almost tempted. <laughs> I was tempted to bring him down, but... Uh, I he's, a bit, he's a bit big, <laughs> isn't he? He is pretty impressive. He's a big, he's very big. But anyway, we're... Back to the story. I like how they didn't. They they resisted having like a like suspense build up to Trypticon's arrival. He just appeared. Yeah, no, that's boom, absolutely right. Boom, yeah, boom. It's like we weren't expecting that much. <laughs> he snuck up on it's them. Like, whoa. <laughs> like just the door opens and there's Trypticon. Oh crap! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He comes actually. He comes careering down a tunnel towards Ultra Magnus and the Sparkler Bots, and they're like, "Well, we've got company, and it's big." <laughs> And there he is, and he's, he basically looks like he's charging at them, and they all kind of prepare to fight him, don't they? Yeah. Until it turns out, <laughs> and then yeah, Springer just Springer just like, pops around from behind his leg and goes, "It's okay, he's with us." <laughs> and then and then yeah, we get, we get the explanation from Flywheels, but he comes just at the right time, so they need to smash through a door uh, to get in mm-hmm. and uh, and stop what's happening in the lab. This is my favourite bit. This this is it. Alright, well well you describe it then, Dave. Well they burst through the door and uh what's the guy's name? Emma Zaron. Emma Zaron. 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 Having a moment there, having a conversation, he's gotten pinned up and then Ultra Magnus just appears out of nowhere behind him. He's like, is this guy bothering you? <laughs> and just picks him up and throws him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. It's great. It's my favourite bit. <laughs> they don't call him the Autobots' greatest warrior for no reason. He picks him up by the scruff of the neck. Picks him up and it's just like this guy's just some scientist or something. He's gonna like pick him up and like, fucking throw him on the floor. Put me down. Yeah, and Magnus is like sure, and then just like throws him at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> See, flame, flame is, I guess Flame is basically done at this point I like, can't really do anything else yeah. <laughs> He tries to reactivate the zombies mm. But this is, where, this is where we get to the bit Where there's kind of a Who's going to sacrifice himself Because for some reason The controls to turning off the, um, the reactor Are inside the reactor Yeah, Because obviously that's how you design it Isn't it Because yeah once you turn on the reactor It's very important that there's you definitely know you don't. You're not going to ever want to turn the reactor <laughs> off under any circumstances. Exactly. It's probably why they. It's probably why they didn't get planning permission. To planning permission. Use. Yeah. <laughs> you think Megatron wants needs planning permission? Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> they said they went to the council and they were like, "No, this is dumb." Oh yeah, I think Flame went to the council. <laughs> but he, I mean, the engines were already there, and they they were like, "Listen, oh, okay. listen, these are like very old." Very unstable. They were made by Megatron. Mm. We think it could blow up the planet. It's like, please, 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 don't try and do this. And he was just like, you don't understand my vision. You guys are nerds. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised if Flame deliberately put those controls in there. Flame could have just put those controls in there on purpose so that the, once his plan was in process, it couldn't be ended. Uh, yeah. 
absolutely. I, I, I think it, it does actually, it's got that sort of thing of like, it rushes through some of the details mm. a bit, doesn't it? It's like, you, you could explain any of this way if you wanted to, but it doesn't really matter for the story. No. In terms of the story, it's like, this is the story we're doing, someone needs to sacrifice themselves. But they do, they do, the comic does acknowledge that it's a bad design. I think um, Ultra Magnus says something like, great design or something, uh, when they find out that that's the case. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does say it, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Someone has to go in there and switch it off, and of course, uh, Zaron um, volunteers because you know he's the leader. So why yeah, wouldn't he's, he? He's, I guess, it's where he's where the buck stops. And I suppose it, it's like from his character, maybe you know, we are used to maybe seeing him being a little more manipulative and pragmatic. And this is, you know, he is. This is a moment where he, he chooses to do the noble thing, and there's probably no real doubt he would do it, but. He's seeing a slightly different side to him. Yeah, and he seems to feel a bit of responsibility over the whole thing as well. So so he decides he's going to do it, and then Flame comes out of nowhere and starts attacking him. And then there's, there's possibly one of my favourite parts is when is shook. Yeah, that's a good shock. <laughs> <laughs> a spear goes into his head, and it's, it's, it's Impact or he's back. Oh yeah, because didn't, didn't Flame push a button to call all the zombies or something? Yeah, I think he summoned them to defend the place. But Impact are now back in contact with his own consciousness, as it were, helping out. And he pushes um, Zaren aside and goes in to switch it off. Yeah, the, for the in a way, and if you go back to Target 2006, for, mm. the, sec- for the second time, sacrificing yourself to save Amara Zaren. He's a great guy. He sort of considers that his job, really, I suppose. Protect the leader. Yeah, he's he's very dedicated to the cause. I've just noticed that my second favorite bit here is um, farewell, Zaron. You will be remembered. And Ultra Magnus karate chops a zombie in the face. It's <laughs> 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 great. <laughs> Ultra Magnus at the end, he was, he started doing stuff. This uh, like, okay, yeah, that's why. He, <laughs> he, he is, he's thinking. He's thinking deep thoughts, but he's also casually just like bashing down his <laughs> So that's that's pretty much it. It winds that's up pretty much the story. Yeah, they all kind of uh, eulogise um, Impact a little bit, and that's that's the end of this little saga. They do the, the classic thing of the ghosts in the sunset. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So yeah, Impact saves the day. What a great story. Um, so Dave, since this was well, you have read it before, but it probably it, you're you're the least familiar with the. Marvel UK comic. What did you think of the whole thing? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Um, I read this ages ago, um, and it was like a pot of luck that you picked this mm. because I just have happened to have <laughs> these issues. Oh, yeah, that's funny because I know you're not that familiar with the, with mm. these comics. It was good, compact little story. I'm glad that you guys covered a bit of like the world building and stuff because I have no idea what's going on. Or who's who, mm. or like where this is in the timeline. Well, it's incredibly anything. complicated, <laughs> but it, but it's fine. It's it's really. I don't really. To be fair, I don't really need to know any of that. It's all no. Just this one little event that's happening on Cybertron. I really liked it. Mm. The only downside to it, I'm afraid, is that I fear if Super Seven does a toy or flame. <laughs> <laughs> I may be very tempted. You need to buy one. It looks cheap. I like his design. I think he looks really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a good design. Yeah. That's true. He's he's never been visited, but you know, in this in this day and age of collectors being given everything they ever fucking wanted and then more. Yep. You could absolutely <laughs> you could absolutely see it happening. 
So, so I mean, that was actually going to be one of my questions. So has there ever been a Toy of Flame? No, not yet. It's definitely one of the more obscure characters from the, from the canon. No, not as yet, uh, but it's only a matter of time. <laughs> I think everyone, I, mean, I think Impactor has turned up in various guises over the years, I think, after this. There's actually, actually, this is quite... <laughs> It's it's quite a quite for not fortuitous, but it's quite a coincidence that they've recently announced a new Impactor um, as a new toy. Yesterday, <laughs> and it's in the proper Marvel Comics colours. Funny, yeah. So who? I mean, was it, was Impactor a Simon Furman creation or a, a Budiansky creation? I think he was a Simon Furman creation. I think. It's, I thought he was because. Wasn't he? A, he's a later guy, right? So well, he, yeah, but he's part. Of, he's part of the people who are on Cybertron, and what Simon Furman would do would was kind of like go. I'm going to tell stories outside of what's happening on Earth because most most of what Bob Badansky was doing was the was the Earthbound Autobots and what they are up to. Oh, yes, okay. and then the Furman stuff at the same time was like, let's see what's happening on Cybertron because it doesn't necessarily directly mm. impact this, and we can just sort of. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I always, I think, in a way, like I was kind of like the Cybertron stuff more. Mm. I mean, there's some, obviously some great Earth stuff, but I think it gets more fun when it starts. You know, they start moving between the two. More yeah, and you've got like I, I like I like all those kind of extra Cybertron characters who didn't have toys. Like, so I think it should just give it this more expansive feel. Yeah, if because what Bob did a lot of was the interaction between auto between Transformers and humans on Earth. Yes, and and it it was done. It was done. I feel in a more realistic way than say the cartoon, where they were basically all terrified of them. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. Yeah, the humans are like, what the fuck are these alien robots doing on our planet? It was like there, there were sort of vigilante groups being like, can we do anything about this? And it sort of seems like maybe yeah. that, that's almost, yeah. I'm sure that's the kind of thing that would happen under these sort of circumstances. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We see in the cartoon, it's very much like, well, they're here now. This is the new reality. Like, um, there's transforming robots on Earth. Like, we know who the good guys are. Yeah. We know who the bad guys yeah. are. It's fine. Whereas on, yeah, in the comics, it was like, there's a bunch of transforming aliens. Yeah. So these sort of theoretically well-meaning characters would sometimes go against the Autobots just on grounds of like obvious suspicion, like natural suspicion. Yeah, just like <laughs> this is an alien invasion. <laughs> We're considerably worried. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so so that's what he did. So yeah, uh, Simon Furman did a lot more stuff on Cybertron, and then obviously used a lot of timey wimey business to be able to use characters from the yeah. from the movie that weren't being used in the. But that I guess that's that's all sort of um, you know they, they were sort of working with what they had. They were like, you can use these characters. We're in a different timeline and that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like that's probably why they had to to blend it together they i guess they had to have a time travel element which then became like very key to how the whole thing operated yep i only worked out like again like when i was looking some stuff around this that like galvatron was original the galvatron in target 2006 comes from the future from from the time of transformers the movie like during the story of the movie mm. then goes back yeah to the it's, it's sort of like it's like an untold story from within that story mm-hmm. almost and then, then, then he goes. Then he goes back to that time. Then the rest of the events of the movie like play out. Then he comes back to the past like again. Yeah. And then he eventually gets destroyed in something called the Time War, which is actually another great, a great story. Actually. Well, Time Wars is like basically like the wrap up of what happened in uh, Target two thousand and six. Yeah, that's kind of true. It's it's sort of like the end of all of that, isn't mm. it? And this is sort of a little. This is a little. 
And she's Time War before this. So I can't. No, Time Wars is quite to. quite late on. I think it's a bit further on. Yeah, that's sort of wrap up. It's sort of like this is finally all of these. All of this has like come to you know come to a head. That was definitely when Simon Furman took over the US comic when Time Wars happened. Yeah, and but then Galvatron sort of comes back, mm. and apparently he gets plucked. Look, Unicron plucks him from an alternate reality or something. Yeah, Galvatron. There's Galvatron and Galvatron Two. <laughs> Galvatron Two. And it's sort of like Galvatron can never really get away from Unicron. That's what he, you know, that's what he wants to do, and it's like he just can't really do it. Yeah, basically, Unicron can reach through different realities and pick out even through realities. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, yeah, you Galvatron in this reality have done your job, so yeah. you're therefore no longer useful. I'm going to move you to another reality. You can like work for me again. If if you're if you're getting really into the whole multiverse thing that's happening in Marvel Comics, this was happening a long time ago <laughs> in in all the comics. I mean, this is very much kind of multiverse kind of stuff. Yeah, it's time travel and multiverse. And actually, like I had a I had a little. This was a little thought I had about this story actually, which is kind of weird. funny. You said timey wimey, which is explicitly like a Doctor Who mm. reference. I believe that's the first time. I I felt that the structure of this story was very like a classic Doctor Who. It's like, you know, you get these crew of people turn up in a place where things aren't quite mm. right and there's something sort of seemingly supernatural going on. They they work out that it's um, actually a technological explanation, not a, a supernatural explanation. Yeah. And then you've got other elements later on. You know, the base on the siege is a classic, like, Doctor Who trope. That's very true. And that's sort of elements of this story. And also just the kind of the fact there's this sort of mad scientist with a mad plan is something you would kind of find especially in those older stories and i was like this is like almost a doctor who kind of yeah. type story set in transformers which only really occurred to me when i read it this time it's very true yeah but but then like obviously all those people would have been steeped in that stuff i'm sure or would have grown up with it that's what i was about to say is it's not um it's not terribly surprising considering that that's that was british sci-fi at the time there was even a british marvel doctor who comic running around the same time yeah which famously alan moore wrote for and stuff like that well, so well, yeah well there you go yeah it's like i was like yep th- this has really like got a lot of those all those story elements i thought it was it was it was, it was fun, fun little thing to note <laughs> no it's a great choice i, re- I really enjoyed it because it, again it's, it's one of those stories that um i vaguely remember but haven't revisited since i was a kid yeah it's just one that sort of stuck in my head for some reason. I think I really liked it when I was a kid, and it's also—I guess—it's also sort of like nicely self-contained. Yeah, there's and there's a there's a small cast of characters, and there's an interesting little story going on. And the characters are good; they're interesting, and they're quite—it's quite well written. And I like—I like some of the the dialogue is hilarious in places. <laughs> yeah, it's got that sort of—it's got some snappy, humorous moments. This uh, Springer calls um, calls Flame. As batty as a bug bot at one point. <laughs> <laughs> What's a bug bot? Like... But no, it's it's no, it's real. It's real good. Uh, thanks for choosing it. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad you both enjoyed it. I mean, I think I, I was a bit sort of like reading through it again. I was like, you know, it's never it's never quite it's never quite how you remember it. And I, I think it did zip through a bit, which is maybe something you get. I was sort of like, there's quite it's quite a small cast, but. You know, I'd like to sort of see maybe a bit of wrapping up with flywheels. Like he, he really just turns up <laughs> to save the day, and then they don't really chat again. No. And I liked his character in the first part of the story, but I, I think by that point they're probably just like, we've got to wrap this up. We're moving on to deadly games. Um, he served his purpose, and that yeah. was it. That was yeah. going to be one of my other questions: is did he ever return and collect his debt? 
to Ultra Magnus. He says, I'll be claiming, I'll be coming back for... I don't know. I don't no, know. I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think he's ever in it again after this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Let's clear this up once and for all. This is Flywheel's debut in the comic, and he will only turn up once more when he joins the Decepticon equivalent of the Wreckers, called the Mayhem Attack Squad, during Time Wars. At no point does he collect on his debt from Ultra Magnus. I found it really, because um, obviously I've got the IDW re... I don't know, what do you call these? Uh, reprints. The reprints. Um, the covers are obviously m- new artwork for them. Yeah, they are, yeah, yeah. And I really I really thought that the the zombies really called back to like um like generic bad guys in the the Bayverse movies. They look so ripped apart and grey and just so much mechanics. Well in the comics or in the or on the covers. Uh, yeah. It's just on the covers, but I guess even in the comics to a degree, they're very like you know, there's just one panel colour one plain colour and there's so much detail that you I guess would be under the shell of the Transformers. It brings up questions of like how the Transformers actually work because you can there's like panels where you really see like a lot of the inners of Impactor and it's like are they just wearing clothes? Is that it, or is it like <laughs> how does it work? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone thought about it any harder than you already have. No, I, I think they. <laughs> I mean, this what does this worth remembering that they had to do one of these every week, like every 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 week of the year for like about ten years, mm. or maybe about what, seven years or something that this run for. Mm. But don't get me wrong; I think it's they've added yeah. so much detail. I've, I'm questioning it. Like it, they look really intricate underneath it all. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely file on the best not to think about it like too much. Yeah, I think they just wanted to make zombie-looking transformers. <laughs> But I mean, I've never seen. I don't know what Impactor's alt mode is actually. Is that? I think that must be in some of the earlier. It's a tank. He's a tank. Yeah. Correction, that's not strictly true. Originally, it was revealed in the letters page by Dreadwind, who was answering the letters at the time, that Impactor's alt mode was an earth boring vehicle. However, this later got clarified as a drill tank, whatever that is. To be fair. Every toy of the character has transformed into a tank or tank-like armoured vehicle of some description. So at this point, it's pretty much his de facto alt mode. Now I'm going to go and get myself a nice herbal tea. Bye. I feel like that, that's, the, that, that's the go-to if you're not sure. <laughs> some kind of tank. Yeah. I, I imagine if we ever saw Zaron transform, he'd also be some kind of tank. <laughs> he is apparently. He is. I looked it up. He is some kind of tank. But uh, we don't see it because uh, he, was... he hasn't transferred. Yeah. yeah, he does mention that he has a battle yeah. mode mm. and it, it, it is some kind of little mini tank or something. Yeah, he does mention that, yeah. His design is very, it's very like we haven't really thought about what he turns into. Uh-huh, yeah. He looks a little bit like Megatron. He does. In the, in yeah. His chest is kind like of a, Megatron, got a kind yeah. of a... He is kind of like a gold Megatron, yeah. Is there anything anyone wants to mention before we? I want my flame toy. You want a flame toy, yeah? Yeah, I mean that's uh, if that if that if that if that, hap- if that happens as a result of this podcast, yeah, then, then my work absolutely is that'd be great. I mean, I, I suppose we could talk about the fact that there's not been any toys of flame. There's not been a toy of Zaren. 
Has it not? That surprises me a little, actually, because I thought he turned up in various other comics, like cartoons and stuff. There is, like, a special one-off um, Action Master version of him. Right. But it was totally third-party. Non-official, 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 yeah. But he's, yeah, he's not been made into a Transformer as of yet. The rest are all Transformers that have been made. Obviously obviously not the tech guys. Nah, <laughs> but, yeah. nah. They don't hold you back <laughs> um, that one, actually. But everybody else was were, were toys, and they've had toys since. And, yeah, Impact has had several mm. toys. Yeah, and he was in War for Cybertron, I think, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He was, yeah. He sacrificed himself in there as well. Yeah, he did. Yes, it's true. It's, it's basically his character. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's had a few third-party toys as well here and there. But, yeah, he's, he's one of the more memorable ones from the whole lot. I think it's partly because of the Wreckers, actually, which I guess is also... Well, yeah, the Wreckers are, a bi- are still a big deal. Yeah. There's been... Did Rakamoon ever get a toy? <laughs> no. No, unfortunately not. They got one in Cyberverse. Oh, have they? They're in that, apparently, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, well, there you go, then. But yeah, the, the Wreckers are, are still a big deal today. And as we were just talking about, um, Hasbro have recently announced they're going to put out a special wave of Wreckers. The first reveal was a new Impactor. Fine. And there's going to be a bunch of, about five of them. We don't. The second one was revealed today, which is a G2. What was he called again? I don't know. <laughs> he's basically like, they're using a Mirage mold for him, but um, he's he's basically a, a, a race car, an F1 race car. Uh, uh, Leadfoot. But he was part of the wreckers in the G2 comic. Right, I never saw, I never read the. I think I think I basically just didn't know about the G two comic. I thought I thought it was over, and then like years later, I was like, "Well, they did more." Yeah, I mean, it didn't last that long, and also it no. was it was also superseded because it was it was meant to carry on from because it was written by Simon Furman, so it was meant to carry mm. on from the end. I think of the it first... does carry on directly, doesn't it? Sort of, but it, it ignores some stuff. And oh, fine. And then that ended quite abruptly because G two was a flop, and. Then, yes. many years later, when um, when IGW asked Simon Thurman to come back and basically finish off the UK run, uh, well, not it wasn't just the UK run, it was the UK slash American run, because he'd taken it all over by that point. He did, like, another 10 or, 10 or 15 so extra, extra issues, just to round it off at about 100 issues. Okay, yeah. And that kind of ignored G2 completely. That was kind of like, like we've forgotten about that. That's not important. Oh, uh... When did the um, the logo, the actual insignia for the records, start? Because none of them have it in this as well. I notice it's like I don't think it's in. I don't think it's in any of these actually. I think that was invented much later. Oh, it's a later. I thing. think that was something that in they fact, added. I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know about this. I only know the records from these comics. Ah. They've got um, they've got a different they've got a different Autobot logo now. Ah. Uh, it's basically got like a hammer in. It's it's like an Autobot logo but with a hammer in the middle. But I think that was added a lot later. Okay. Probably yeah, due I, to IDW or something. Um, I can't say one way or the other, but it, it's not something I remember from the comics at all. It's quite weird. I mean, I was, this came in 1988 in June, so I was eight years old when I read this. Mm. Um, and it, it cost 32p. <laughs> I can't get anything for 32p now. No. But, um, <laughs> But like, I guess it's it's, it's quite you know I I can't I couldn't have imagined that um, we'd be talking about like 
impact of toys that have come out like 25 years later like it seems like quite strange from that perspective it's crazy really it is, it is crazy yeah yeah I, I i mean i never i guess as a kid i was just like well there's just some characters in this that they don't make toys of and like and then they sort of stopped making transformers and the comic and i was like well i guess that's done <laughs> it's, it's weird that it's still going on it's weird to, it's, i find it straight you know especially going back to this stuff that i was so familiar with at a young age so like, yeah it's it's strange the longevity it's had yeah and the the current the current Transformers toy line is called Legacy, and it's basically its modus operandi is plucking various characters from various parts of Transformers and kind of redoing them in a particular style. Yeah. I suppose if you told me they still be making Star Wars at this point, I would have been like not very necessarily very believing of that either. It's it's sort of like <laughs> it felt I think it felt at that point like these franchises had a had had a limited lifespan. Yeah. And I sort of remember like Star Wars toys, and it was like they're stopping making Star Wars toys now. There won't be any more. Yeah, that's that's your lot. <laughs> and there won't be any more films because it's over, and we're going to have different films now. And it's, it's sim- simply not how how things turned out. <laughs> so that was an entertaining discussion on maybe the most niche subject so far. Mm-hmm. Let us know your thoughts on social media. Uh, you can connect with us on Facebook. And there's an Arg My Optics page. Um, I'm on there as Orion Gear. And on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Gear Orion and Orion underscore Gear, respectively. Virtual Dave, where can you be reached at? Um, you can always find me at, on Instagram, virtualdave26. Not only that, we at Arg My Optics have now launched our YouTube channel. Woohoo! Christ knows why you'd want to listen to a podcast on YouTube, but that's the sort <laughs> of mad shit that Dave does all the time. So, you now can. Plus, as is the fashion these days, I've only gone and done a Patreon. So, please, if you like what we do and want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash Don't forget the double A, and maybe chuck us a few quid. <laughs> We'll be putting out the occasional bit of bonus material for Patreons too. Keep your eye out for that. You can also, of course, spend zero pence and simply subscribe, review, follow, etc. All of those wonderful ways of supporting the podcast. We really do appreciate it when you do. Last, but certainly not least, I'd like to give a big thank you to our guest host for outclassing us in every regard with his knowledge and wit, Michael Quintesson. Oh, it's a, a, a pleasure as always, and you know, nice to come and talk about one of my, my favourite little stories from the from the, the, old, the old comics. No, it was a, it was a great suggestion. Thanks for coming and doing it. It was a good a good read. It was good uh, good book. So yeah, thanks for listening to right to the end. All that's left to say is, in unison, guys, please join us next time on Ah, Biotics. Biotics!